In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I dive into the Sixers four-game losing streak, discussing whether or not you should have any long-term concern at all as a result of it. We then preview the rest of the Sixers' long road trip and discuss the excellent play of second-year guard Tyrese Maxey. Also, we want to send our best wishes out to Dave Yeager and his family, as Yeager will be stepping away from the team for the time being to undergo treatment, as he was recently diagnosed with a treatable form of head and neck cancer. Here's to a speedy and full recovery for Coach Yeager, and fuck cancer. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined once again by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. Sixers have lost four in a row. All four without their big guy. Those two things might be tied together. How you doing, Rich? I'm fine, man. It's uh, yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a tough week for the Sixers. But look, they have had losing streaks before where we have probably given more negative reviews than we are going to this time. It's just it's very explainable. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think the first two losses, you know, you had the Knicks loss. The Knicks are a, a pretty good team. They're certainly a playoff team. Played them pretty hard for most of the night. You had the Bucks loss, which quite frankly, I thought they were going to get destroyed in. Bucks obviously were missing Chris Middleton, but they did have Drew Holiday and Giannis, whereas the Sixers were missing pretty much, what, four out of five starters, I think, in that they game. They didn't even have Curry for that game. Yeah, and they held it close for most of the time. So those two were fine. I think the Raptors and the Pacers were a little more frustrating, in part just because of how they lost them. But overall, if you're going to tell me that they're going to miss the amount of talent that they have, and look, this team without Joel Embiid, and we can throw Ben Simmons into that mix, is not a contender. This isn't the team that anyone is going to want to be riding into the playoffs with. So it is, you're taking a step back, trying to take away some positives or negatives from the players who are there, while still sort of acknowledging that they're not even playing the role that they will play when everything is back to normal. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABASKETBALL, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABASKETBALL. Make your first deposit of at least $10, Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino, and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TA Basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to The Athletic Plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, and, and it's it's strange because, like you said, even, even though the Raptors and the Pacers games 
were more frustrating. I agree with you on that. The Sixers did not play as well in those games. They had chances to win all four of these games, even Saturday night's game against Indiana, which was, you know, a pretty crappy effort, all things considered. They were like six good minutes at the end of the game from stealing that. And, uh, you know, it, it just it stinks for them because it's I feel like they played good enough to at least win one of these games. But, you know, whether it's just the offense dying at the end, um, you know, the defensive rebounding, which we can get into in a second, just not being there. Well, if, if, they, if we get into the defensive rebounding, that will be the only person around the team who's gotten into any kind of defensive rebound all season long. So so let's just talk about it there. They're, they're so small. They're unbelievably small. And, you know, I think they're down to 18th in defense now. And you know what? L- like we said at the beginning, there's an explanation for this. The Sixers had three guys on the all-defense team yeah. last year. They're, none of them are playing right now. Yeah. So even Thibel, who probably doesn't even get mentioned that much when we talk about, oh, man, all the talent they're losing. Because, yes, Matisse is not going to pull a maxi and drop 30 points against one of these teams with the extra shots. They really could use him for rebounding and actual defense. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, it, it's just it, it's really hard because in normal times, I, I can't even imagine the last time this team lost three games in a row at home. Yeah, like that would be. Code red, we'd be like, what the hell is going on right now? In this case, two of the three games, I thought they really battled pretty hard against, you know, not full strength teams in the Bucks case, but let's be real. Like if you have Giannis, you're essentially at full strength against a team that is playing with, uh, you know, with without four of their five starters and their fifth starter, Danny Green was on a minutes limit. And yep. he's also now injured again with that left uh, left hamstring. So, uh, yeah, it's just a weird situation where I'm not that down on the the fully intact team. I'm actually probably somewhat encouraged by some of the things we're saying uh, we're seeing. There's one big thing that we're seeing that I'm really encouraged by, but they are still gonna take a big dip in the standings. They're just they're just not good enough with this roster, and I would say that mostly comes on the defensive end. Well, and not only that. So they're eight and six. They're currently sixth place in the Eastern Conference. They are like a win away from being out or a loss away from being outside of the top 10. It's really bunched up tight in there. And now you look at the upcoming schedule and you probably got another game or two without Joe at the minimum. Um, Certainly another game, I think. So you've got the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Blazers, the Kings and the Warriors to close off the longest road trip of the season. You're doing that at the beginning without Joel Embiid, uh, obviously without Ben Simmons. Uh, without Danny Green now, you assume, we don't know that for sure, but you assume, or at least the chance that you will be doing that without Danny Green. And Tobias Harris, who just came back uh, two games ago. So you've got a really, first of all, really, and and Matisse Theibel, um, who I should have my document up. I don't have my document up. Is is probably, again, getting relatively close to that 10-day. Yep. So you've got a really tough schedule, and you've got players who are either out or just coming back. And look, when you have COVID, you're, you're not getting your cardio up. Like you can't, like there's a real risk of not only, well, who knows if Joel Embiid comes back exactly at 10 days, but also exactly what he's like when he comes back. And not only because COVID hits everyone different, but just because you haven't been doing anything cardio wise for 10 days. So you don't know what, what kind of, what version of Joel Embiid you're going to get, even if he does come back. And this is why banking eight of the 10 first games is great. Cause you really knew there important. was going to be, you knew <laughs> there was going to be some, um, you know, 
they were, they were going to hit a tough spot. This is the tough spot, and we'll see how long it lasts. But there's a real chance this team could look up and be like, you know, 9 and 10. And I guess what I would say there is I wouldn't really panic. It's part of a season. Yeah, I mean, if they win, they win one game on the rest of this trip, yeah, they would be 9 and 10 uh, moving forward. So... Yeah, I, I wouldn't. That, that wouldn't be cause for panic. It would be a crappy spot to be in. They would have to essentially start over that uh, that good vibes start that they had at the beginning of the year. You know, the, whatever you think about where the vibes are at now, the the L's are uh, <laughs> stacked up regardless. The uh, yeah, and I agree with you. I, I would not look at it as cause for panic. I, I like how this team played, even if Ben Simmons doesn't come back. Like if they can just get Embiid and Harris playing back. Um, at their normal level. Like, I think this team can be pretty good. They'll have an easier run of schedule. This is about as hard as the schedule will get. December's no piece of cake either. But, like, look, this is this is their tough spot, and they are, uh, they're taking it right now. Uh, you mentioned the cardio and, and where Embiid will be. So, so one of the positives, I would say, the smaller positive from the individual bucket of players over these past couple of games I'm pretty surprised. Tobias Harris looks relatively like himself. Yeah. So far. I thought the first game, um, he came out, you know, the first game against the Raptors, he came out real strong. Maybe a little too much post up heavy for me. But I thought he came out and looked physically very good. I thought he might have worn down a little bit towards the end of that game. But against the Pacers, he came out and I thought he looked like Tobias Harris. And again, when you like strip away all of the other offensive talent away from Tobias Harris, he can get into some of his bad habits at times. And I thought in the second half of that Pacers game he had a little bit of tunnel vision, and I thought the ball movement suffered a little bit. But overall, physically, and in terms of, of touch and scoring talent, I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah. He's always been a good first-quarter player, and I thought his process was really good in the beginning of that Indiana game. A lot of quick-trigger threes on the break, just yep. you know, making the quick decisions that Doc always talks about. And yes, I agree with you. Against, uh, against the Raptors especially, who, to be fair, that's like not an easy team to... Uh, to get great shots at sometimes like they uh they're very aggressive defensively so sometimes they can bait you into playing iso heavy post up basketball definitely saw some that some of that in the second half from Tobias but overall I'm just impressed that he looks pretty good like he is his cardio is there basically right off the bat maybe I mean maybe it's suffering a little bit but it really hasn't been noticeable to me it hasn't been noticeable like after games he's not like I'm you know, dead tired or whatever. It felt good to get back out there. So that's legitimately a positive because that's something I worried about from the start. And not to say that his, uh, you know, everybody's different, not to say that he might not be affected down the road a little bit by this, who knows, but, but so far so good on that, uh, on that front. And then I guess we we're bearing the lead a little bit. I mean, we look, we can talk about how they can't grab a defensive rebound to save their lives. We could talk about, Man, it's some of the worst transition defense I've ever seen in the last really, couple and, of nights. And that's really what frustrated that. And look, a loss by itself doesn't frustrate me against the Pacers when you're counting the talent they didn't have. But it was really preventable because if they just gave a little more effort and a little more attention to detail in the first half in transition, they'd probably steal a win that they maybe yeah. shouldn't have. Uh, and that's why it's frustrating to me, not any individual performance, for sure. They played pretty well offensively overall in that game. Like, got to the free throw line a crap ton. They, that was a game where they won the four-factor battle, but the Pacers shot a million percent, and some of that was hot shooting, like Justin Holiday. That's you know that's just like a tough night, but some of it was the transition defense. They're just giving up layups and open threes. So Justin Holiday, who had like twenty points in the first half on 
I'm going to call it a perfect five for five from three because I'm not going to count that heave at the end, which broke his his streak. Uh, he was yeah, he he looked like Kevin Durant for a moment. There it was incredible. Th- those ones I'm not going to fault the Sixers too much for. He's shooting those directly off of screens and barely touching the net. But when we talk about the uh, the shooting luck in that game, a lot of that wasn't luck for the Pacers. They were getting awesome shots because the Sixers were playing really bad transition defense, and they they have to figure out how to be better in that regard. I say that while also knowing they have bad defenders. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a, and like you said, it's a combination of they have three world-class all-NBA defensive player of the year caliber players who are not playing right now, and the rest who are, eh, eh. They've got a lot of one-way players, and they're currently veering all towards the offensive side of the court. Yes, yes. And they're look, they're fighting hard in some cases. In the Indiana case, they're not fighting that hard. Um, look, but when you go on the road, it, it gets tougher. That's that's kind of the issue we're, we're talking about here and how at the end of this road trip, I'm not expecting to see too many more wins. I'm thinking thinking the line is probably one and a half, maybe. If they could if they could get one, that's probably okay. If they get two, like throw a parade. When you get back home, you're still above 500. We, we will see how that goes. Some of these, there's some weird results out on the West Coast. Some of these teams are not playing great basketball. At the moment, the Warriors are. That's going to be a tough one. Um, okay. Well, we can talk about that all we want. Tyrese Maxey, this has been a really cool week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Tyrese Maxey over the last four games, averaging 26 points per game, shooting 52% from the field, 50% from three-point range on 5.5 attempts per game. Ooh, baby. While averaging five rebounds and 4.3 assists, and only l- less than a turnover per night, which I think sometimes... I don't necessarily love to see that because it means you're not taking risks that are there. You're maybe yeah. settling for shots rather than uh, really creating. But that being said, I mean, everything else on that is spectacular. Taking care of the basketball in and of itself isn't a negative. You would like to see a little bit more um, risky plays. It's really weird to say that, but a little more uh, in terms of trying to push the envelope other than that. And I, I feel guilty even getting off on that tangent. Uh, other you than should. that, well, I, I just wanted to explain that low turnovers isn't necessarily in and of itself a good thing. Yeah. Other than that, he has been, I mean, just, and look, we were critical of his first four games. Uh, took a little blowback from that. I stand by what we said, because I think we mostly said he hasn't been good yet. We think he's going to get better. We have a little bit of concern whether you can ask a 21-year-old to be what he needs to be. Well, over the last 10 games or so, he's been what you need him to be. And and more so, even like I think when they had Embiid and Curry cooking, you know, he was kind of he was settling in the sixteen points, four assists per game, but on efficient play. And I, you know, I guess we were talking mostly last week about just the the overall team play, but he was a huge part of that. Yep. And uh, we 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 were excited with how he was playing on that. And I've been, you know, it's not really making a difference because you don't have the tent pole superstars here. I've liked his on ball defense as well too. That that I don't want that to go. Underrated as well. I think he's a lot better on that end of the floor from last year. But that's also why it sucks that they went 0-4 this week. When you get that level of play from Maxi yeah. taking a uh, a mini leap, not not to say it was uh, it's going to be sustained, but he, uh, you know, they lose all of this shot creation. And I, I in my article after the Raptors game, I, th- I thought the perfect contrast is, remember last year when they played the Denver Nuggets in that matinee game? Yep when the NBA made them play with seven healthy players after they were sitting in a hotel the entire night in Brooklyn after Curry uh, was uh, tested positive for COVID. 
And Maxi scored 39 points on 33 shots. And the Sixers got destroyed. And after that game, I think we potted and we said, that was really good. Like, honestly, that's pretty impressive that he got up all those shots. Yeah, that was a complete circus game. Like, it's not applicable to winning basketball. But for a 19-year-old rookie to do that, that's that's pretty cool. Like, he's, you got something to work with here. This is graduating a step up. This is, he's playing in competitive games, keeping his team competitive. He's scoring those uh, those points on much more efficiency, uh, a lot more free throws, and it's just been great to see. It's kind of, it's like I said, it's kind of why it sucks that they went 0-4. They weren't able to win a game. I mean, I thought the Sixers did not play very well, especially in the second half against the Raptors. He basically willed them to a victory. If they would have won, he would have gotten all the credit, and deservedly so. He just, whenever the Raptors, after getting another offensive rebound, another transition play, another terrible Sixers pass in transition, it was just Maxi getting to the rim again and again and again to get the Sixers back into the game to the point where they led by two with like, I don't know, what was it, like a minute 30 left? So he's been awesome. It's been uh, it's been great to see. Obviously, I think it's a little bit different when you have to play with Embiid, when you have other players that you need to pass the ball to. But like we were saying, he was filling that role perfectly anyway before then. So I, I think, you know, his start to the season, it, it's always like the, the first five games of the year, we talk about like, man, this guy hasn't played this well this season. Well, it's like, well, that's because it's such a small sample and, and we're just going by that number of games. The past 10 games, I, I mean, just really, really good. And uh, I think uh, people have real reason to be excited about this kid. He's, he's playing great. Yep. Uh, and I mean, look, I think the you know we always talked about there's two real areas need to focus on in order for him to become the efficient uh creator or efficient scorer that they need uh free throws and shooting his shooting so far this year i mean 41 percent from three i expect that to drop i don't think he's a 40 percent three-point shooter yet in his career but the fact that he is looking that much more comfortable uh on and look is 3.3 attempts per game what you're aiming for no but it is as good of a st- uh, step in progress towards where he needs to become that you could have reasonably expected. Um, and I still think, like I said, I, I expect that percentage to come down. I'd love to see that willingness to continue to go up. There's still some catch and shoots that he turns down, <laughs> which yeah. pump fakes. Th- th- this team has to lead the league in pump fake two, two dribbles, 18 footers. Um, the only one who really seems like he's comfortable with a pump fake sidestep three is, is Furkan. You'd love to see Maxi sort of add that to his arsenal, but I'm comfortable. I'm confident in that shot long term. I don't know exactly when that's going to be. I don't know exactly if we're talking about like a four attempt per game upside or a five or six attempt per game upside. Um, but I'm confident in him getting that to where it's a weapon. And is it going to be 41 percent like it is now? I'm not sure about that. But I'm pretty confident in that shot. I'd love to see the free throws increase. You know what he he is averaging. I think even over his last four games where he's having all this success, only 3.5 attempts per game. On the season, he is averaging three, 3.5 attempts per game on, you know, basically 20 shots per night, which is what he's getting now. Still on the low side. There's still a couple of plays where you'd love to see him take one more dribble, get into the uh, rim protector, seek out that contact. Uh, but he's making his shots at the rim at such a high rate right now that, okay, you'll live with it. Um, you'll live with it. Uh, really, really impressed with what he's been able to do and how consistently he's been able to create offense for himself. I do think the free throws, that could take a little bit longer because as talented as he is and as 
just absolutely fast as he is, he is on the smaller side of player. So finishing against the trees, like inside, is it's tougher for him. Like, and even, and he doesn't, even he doesn't get leaping, any respect from the refs. Either, no, he too. doesn't. And I will give him that. Like he should probably, what is that, another free throw attempt per game if he was a, a veteran he might be getting? Uh, I do think it would be better. I do think there are times where he gets mauled and just doesn't get the respect that he should. Um, but to your point, like he's not, he's a good leaper. He's not an insane leaper. Uh, a lot of times those players who are s- short, but are good free throw drawers tend to be uh, a little bulkier, a little sturdier. He doesn't really have that. He's still a, a slight slender frame. So I do think that is going to take some time. Uh, and I've, uh, of those two concerns, I have faith in the jump shot far more than I have in getting to the line consistently. You know what the worst part of this is though? I, I, I view him as the perfect player to play with the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, <laughs> Tobias Harris front court. And I say worst part because, uh, you know, we don't know if that's actually ever going to happen again. Um, but so some of these like double drag screens and transition, that's just clean stuff. Like I, I think him with a, a broken floor and a team rotating back in transition, the Sixers have basically handed over the early offense keys to him. And he, he is really good when a team is in transition and they're not set. He can really, you know, he could take those double drag screens at around the three-point line. Some of them are even closer to half court and create a lot of havoc, create some really good shots. And the other thing I'm kind of looking at, too, is, you know, this team is the question for them always is, OK, what are they doing in a close game at the end of these games? And I'm not saying he is now the uh, the missing piece in terms of like the Jimmy Butler guy, the uh, the Kawhi Leonard type scorer at the end of games. But he's scoring well enough that, you know, with this current nucleus, I, I don't think you would feel embarrassed running a play for him no. late in the game. Yep, he, is, he could get you a shot. Right, right. He is um, certainly an option. Uh, certainly an option. And I think, that, you know, one of the, there's a lot of, well, why are they keeping Ben Simmons? Do they expect his trade value to go up? Why do we have to drag this out? Well, part of the benefit is you can really see what you have in Tyrese Maxey. And look, we're uh, 14 games into the season. If Daryl Morey drags us out to February, we'll be, you know, we'll have a much larger sample size here to figure out whether or not this is legit and whether or not it's legit for this year um, and, and whether you can actually count on him in the playoffs. And that can inform who you target. And especially when you're talking about a, an asset in Ben Simmons, who isn't what we thought it would be on the trade market, who isn't likely to bring back a no doubt about it superstar. Who you target and how they fit with your current personnel is so key. And knowing what you have in Maxi will help inform, you know, right now he is your one of your two or three most important players on a team. How that return fits with Maxi, having more information will be helpful. You think, I can't even imagine what fans would do if they traded Maxi. Oh, no. And I, 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 I love I love fans. You should be super thrilled and want your guys to be your guys forever. There's no such thing as untouchable when Daryl Morey's talking about pursuing a championship. Like, and that's not me saying I think they're going to trade Maxi, but like nobody's untouchable outside of Joe. That word doesn't exist in Daryl Morey's vocabulary. And I'm in agreement there. But I think if you look at what the Sixers have to trade outside of Ben Simmons, Maxi's trade value has bumped up in the last yep. couple of weeks. There's just no doubt about it. Like he looks like, you know, a 20 year old who looks like he's well on his way to becoming a starting caliber combo guard, point guard. I don't know what the exact term you want because of the 
lower assists, but this has been really impressive. I mean, he's doing this against, you know, the Bucks, the Raptors. Like, Fred Van Vliet is not, he's, he's a good on-ball defender. He's not obviously the tallest guy in the world. Maxie was going by him like he wasn't even there at the end of that game. And that's awesome. Like, that is really cool to see. And, you know, for a Sixers fan base, part of the reason I think that Maxie is so beloved is that he's the guy that this team never seems to get. They never get the quick guard who looks like he can shoot it a little bit, too. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think, uh, you know, as much as this 0-4 skid, this potential 0-8 skid <laughs> could be, uh, if you come back with Embiid playing at a high level, who knows, maybe his knee gets a little bit better over this period, too. Maybe a little bit of a blessing in disguise. Uh, not a blessing in disguise against COVID, but just may, may, hopefully that can get a little bit better along uh, as he as he doesn't put any pressure on it. You know, you get Tobias back, whatever the hell happens with Ben, and you have this confident of a maxi, that's exciting. Like, that's if he's your fourth or fifth best player, that's cool. Like, that... I'm not saying it turns this team into a title contender, but it certainly turns them into a more serious team when the playoffs roll around. And, uh, you know, for this guy, I I keep harping on it. 20 years old. That's why even when he sucked, we were like, it's okay. Like, we see the talent. Like, we think he's going to be at a high level one day. We're just not sure if it's right now. If it's right now, um, the Sixers are somewhat in business here. Not to... uh... Not to nitpick too much, but he is now 21. That's right. He just turned 21. Yeah. It was his uh, birthday, though. November 4th. November 4th. Uh, yeah. We'll take, I, we'll take back what I said. He's old, <laughs> he's old now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look, it, it, it is, uh, it, it's kind of amazing that right now Joel Embiid's best running mate might be, with all the assets they had, all the draft picks they had uh, coming into this, Joel Embiid's most bankable running mate might be a 21st pick in the draft. That is both a credit to what they did with that pick and also a couple of mistakes here along the way. But, gosh, just thinking about where they would be if if if, uh, if Mike Muscala didn't make that shot, it is it is amazing. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, still the number one, one ranked offense, which is amazing. Mind-boggling. They're number one by a, a little bit now, too. And is that... All their four factors right now are pretty good. Like third <laughs> in offensive, uh, effective field goal percentage, seventh in turnover rate, ninth in free throw rate, which is pretty surprising considering how many play- games they've played without Joel Embiid now. Uh, do I completely buy it? No, I still have my, I'm still skeptical. Um, but they're, look, they're playing really well. They're playing really well offensively, and that's despite the fact that Andre Drummond uh, is one of the worst shooters at the rim that I've ever seen in it's my amazing. life. That's amazing. Uh, he he dominated the glass. I think he had eight offensive rebounds against the Pacers, and I'm not sure he converted any of them into points. It was amazing to see. It was amazing to see. And look, he's like he's been put in a really difficult spot. It, it, like honestly, job well done if he gets one or two of these games on the way back. But you are seeing some of the warts of having him be your main center. You know, when, when Embiid comes back and you could bring him off the bench, that'll be a good day. Yeah. And you had, yeah, I thought you had some pretty good B-ball Paul minutes. He played a little bit of five there. Um, him and Yang both sort of on the court at the same time. You can call them whatever you want. Uh, but he had some good moments there, certainly defensively against the Bucks and Giannis. I thought he had some yep. pretty decent moments uh, navigating drop coverage there against the Raptors. So I think he's been pretty good. Um, 
he's not that good offensively, unfortunately. He's no. just yeah. You know, he, he was making those slow threes in the uh in the bubble that they're not there right now. He's you know, the, the difference in finishing over length at this level I think is noticeable yep. for him. He also just feels like a guy too who offensively he needs a few he needs plays run for him or run offense run through him to get into a groove. And unfortunately, like he's not good enough that guy on this team right now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I like, I honestly, like he, he's not playing the most effective basketball in the world, but I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing from him. And I do like that doc is, is still playing him uh, despite some of the mistakes, because he definitely does bring like just a level of effort and defensive intensity that this team could use, even if it doesn't always result in the best, uh, the best defense in the world. Yep, for sure. For sure. Uh, how about Seth and, I mean, Danny before he, he got re-injured? How do you think they have looked so far here of late? Yeah, a little bit of a step back for Seth over the uh, the past few games. I So so we're talking about Maxi and, and Seth. I, I just, they were really bad defensively against uh, Indiana. That, that uh, I don't know what the heck screen you would call it, like the flat ball screen that the Sixers run on 12 for like TJ McConnell. I can't even imagine how many times they botched that switch. Like you, you either switch or you don't. What, what are we doing, fellas? It's a play you guys run a lot. Um, yeah. Set this speaking thing. of TJ, did you listen to? I think it was was it on JJ's podcast where he was talking about how Brian Colangelo came in on like his first first training camp, didn't recognize T, TJ, wanted to know why the assistant coach was was playing pickup. I didn't hear that. That was that's... fantastic. Between that and the story of him. Uh, being carded at um, Xfinity P- Live. Xfinity, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Just fantastic, fantastic. That's great. I mean, that just, it adds to the legend of uh, of TJ <laughs> yeah. McConnell. And also, too, if your defense is not on point and you're just giving up the easy stuff, you know who's going to take that easy stuff? TJ McConnell yeah. is going to take that stuff from you. So uh, good to see. He's he's carved out a nice niche in Indiana. Good to see him Nice niche well. and a nice, uh, nice bank account, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's another process success story for uh for sure as uh as Brett would say. Um yeah, they haven't played as good. I mean, Danny it, it didn't even feel like he got in much of a groove before injuring his uh his hamstring again. I feel like he's a player he needs the stars to uh yep. to play with. Like I think when you look at Maxi you want to give him extra possessions, he can handle that. I think Curry, to an extent, can handle it as well. Like, yeah, he's not a guy who likes to take a bunch of shots, but if you keep running plays for him, like, he's not going to uh, completely lose effectiveness there. Like, Danny is, you know, he, he's taking contested threes. He's, you know, he's playing good help defense, but sometimes he's pushing the ball in transition and trying to do a bit too much. Yeah. He is the guy who needs, he needs Ben Simmons. He needs Embiid. Um to be completely effective. And I, I don't know, man, with this uh, hamstring injury, I know Doc and everybody loves to make fun of how old he looks when he runs. And that's, uh, that's fair. That's it's fair. true. Yeah. It's, it's humorous. It's true. Uh, but they, they need to get this right. This thing seems to be nagging at this point. And I also don't think like, as long as you can get Thibel back in the lineup, I would let Danny rest for a little bit of time here. Make sure that's okay. Because he's still, you know, despite not playing to the level we saw at the end of last season, some of that is just shooting. Um, there's still an effective rotation player in there, but you just you want you want to make sure that hamstring is okay. And uh, 
I think it's safe to say they're going to be without him. I don't know for the next couple of games at least. Yeah, and this is like you said, hamstrings are ones that can linger. They can be tough to come back from. Um, just nag you for a long time, and they have a lot of games coming up here. Give him some time off. Um, I look down, and he's still shooting forty-two percent from three, which is it's seemingly mind-boggling because it feels shockingly like he's struggling. High. It feels like he's been struggling. Uh, but I agree with you. He is so much better when he has someone like Ben pushing the pace. When he has someone like Joel Embiid to play off of, and he can do that that walk back into the corner three. Uh, without that, you can't ramp him up. I think you start seeing some of his ball handling limitations become even more obvious. Not that they were ever not obvious, but they become even more annoying when you don't have someone there to create shots for him. Um, and it, right now, he just doesn't look like he's moving all that well. And it's important, like you can see that in transition. I think you can see that, you know. And the half-court defense, too. And he's not quite... If he's not going to give you the same, same volume of shooting because you don't have stars, and his defense is depressed because he's not moving all that well, give him a week, two weeks off and see where that hamstring can, uh, can, can be at the end of it. I agree with you there. Yeah. And look, these are not... This is not a long-term issue to me. It's just that, yeah, he, he is not the type of guy who, when you're super shorthanded, is going to claw you into a... Uh, into a close game, and that's fine because they they signed him to play off their stars. So yeah, it's just like the moral of the story for the whole podcast. Like I, I think in a lot of ways, this short term pain, th- there could be some long term gain out of it when you specifically talk about Maxi. When you talk about some of the other guys just getting reps, like you know, I thought especially in that Bucks game, I thought Shake played pretty well. Yep. You know, he's he struggled in a couple of these games, but yeah, was he a little bit? overtaxed trying to take Giannis one-on-one at the end of the game? Yeah, of course. He barely hit the backboard on that one play. But but I, I thought like him and Maxi really took control of that game in the third quarter to the point where the Bucks had to play Giannis 37 minutes just to get a win. So, uh, look, this is going to, to hurt the Sixers in the standings. The key is really, I mean, God, can they can they just win like one or two of these games? Because I think they'd really be in an okay place. When uh when Embiid comes back, to uh to start to pick things up again to start to win a bunch of games because this is a brutal stretch of their schedule, but but you are seeing some things that you're like okay if you can just take the good parts of this uh this losing streak and then reintegrate your top guys like this this team is going to be okay they're probably not going to be the one seed you you can't lose four games in a row a lot of times and end up being the number one seed that's okay. I think the Sixers, they, they understood that going into the season. I think we understood that too, that first off, when you were punting a max salary slot for yeah. a determinate amount of time, th- there's a chance that that's going to really hurt you. And look, they, they've been unlucky to uh, to lose Embiid and Harris and Thibault with, with this COVID outbreak, um, you know, despite a high portion of this team being vaccinated. That sucks. That's 2021 shit luck in a... Uh, yeah, I mean that's just that's just really tough. Like that's not something that you can plan for. That said, you know whether it was an injury, whether it was whatever, like when you don't have Simmons playing, you lose a little bit of your margin for error, and that's what we're seeing right now. Which again, look, like, I they, I don't think they're going to win a lot of games on the rest of this road trip, but I'm also not like super down on this overall team either. It's just. It's one of the shitty parts of the schedule where they're just they're comically shorthanded a lot of nights and comically shorthanded teams lose a lot of games. Yeah, look, 
my view of, of where they're at right now, if you get to February and you have Harrison and Bede healthy, Maxi is legitimate, who can give you some of that perimeter shot creation, and now you can go out and get whatever you can get for Ben Simmons, you're in a pretty good spot. Is that title contention? Well, that will largely depend on that detail of whatever you can get for Ben Simmons. But you have three pieces and a whole bunch of role players. And outside of that, a whole bunch of role players who I think, for the most part, fit. Uh, so I think Maxi is, you know, Maxi and Embiid's health are the two driving factors in this early portion of the season. Get to uh, February, get to a little more certainty of what you'll have to work with. If Maxi and Embiid are healthy and, and, and playing like this, and you're in a pretty good spot. You're in a pretty good spot. Yeah. A better and, spot and, than I expected. And that's a good way to put it, too. You know, Maxi. I'm not sure he's there quite yet just because we haven't seen him play like this over a long sample, which is fine because he's been in the league for what? A, a one year and, you know, one eighth of a year. Um, th- him graduating into the peace category, him graduating, making that big three that the Sixers have a big four, which if he continues to play, even at the level we saw before this offensive explosion, he he would be there. I would say uh, that's a big deal. <laughs> that's, Massive deal. That's a, that's a if, really big deal. If this is legitimate, and again, we're gonna fourteen games in season, yada yada yada. But if he is legitimately a a a all star caliber trajectory, and that doesn't mean all star now, that means trajectory on the road to being that. That is a franchise altering swing. That is a franchise altering pick for sure. And I am gonna be conservative, but uh, he has certainly exceeded all expectations here in his second year. And I think the the fact that the Sixers are still they're number one in offense, like you said, by a lot. With I don't know, I mean they are shooting it pretty well. Although they're still number one, despite the fact that their three point shooting has taken a hit over the past week. They've had some well, some tough nights. From all three. thanks from Furkan. Oof. After, yeah. After his, you know, he had two games there where he couldn't miss, and he had what twenty five against the Bulls, and then. 19 against the Knicks, shot 7 for 9 from 3 in one of those games, 5 for 12 in the next. He has shot 6 of 26 from 3-point range over his last three games. Uh, and despite, I mean, he played he played almost damn near the entire game against the, the Bucks, and really just gave them a stinker. He has come down to earth, which you expect. This is the Furkan Korkmaz experience. He's going to look like <laughs> Clay one night uh, and like he shouldn't be in the league the next. That is, that's Furkan. Well, that's and that's the other tough thing about those losses too. If it was if two Korkmaz, for that was amazing. If Korkmaz shot like he did against the Knicks in either one of the next two games, the Sixers would have gotten those yep. games, I think. So yeah, it's uh, yeah. again, that's not something I'm I'm that worried about. Like he's gonna he's gonna be a streaky player. He was coming off a wrist injury. I mean, good good for him for uh, for continuing to fire. You know, he's not gonna stop shooting them. <laughs> yeah, when he look when he was sitting there and he was. Two for 17 and one for 11 from three. He was taking that 12 three. He was taking that 12 three for sure. Yeah. Good for him. That's not a, it's not a cause for concern. I I like how Cork has generally played to start the year, but there is a reason that he was available for $5 million. And it's because he can't string together that level of play for a super long period of time. But yeah, for them to be number one in offense, that's, I don't know. That's pretty good, man. You get Embiid back. You, you, get a little bit smarter on the defensive end, try and creep that back into the top 10 area, which, you know, I don't think this team has good defensive talent, like we said, outside of Embiid, Simmons, Dybul. 
But, like, you get Green back, who's a really smart positional defender. You can creep back into that top level of uh, of defense. I mean, if you ever got Simmons back, you really could creep yep. into that top level of defense. It, this, to me, at its whole form, feels like a pretty damn good regular season team. It's just not going to be the case over the next week. And you know, it's okay. Yep, for sure. All right. I think that is probably just about all that I have. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.